When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into a Thursday edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. We call our Thursday edition the Huddle Reloaded. Why? Well, because you have a chance to hear Toby Rowland and Teddy Lehman break down the Texas Tech game and preview the showdown with Kansas. It's always good to get Teddy's perspective and Toby's money, so that's coming up here in just a bit. We also have two special interviews that will drop for you uh, prior to the press conferences on game week. I get a chance to talk to a couple of Sooners. This week, Casey Keller, the long snapper for the Sooners. Man, I love this kid. We had a good conversation. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. It's coming up here in moments. And Austin Stogner, the Sooner standout, tied in. But first, I want to remind you that we're back home this weekend, and the Army is here. Stop by and visit the U.S. Army recruiters at the party at the Palace this Saturday to find out more about the over 150 career fields you can serve in. From healthcare to humanitarian aid, there is a career for you. Explore a world of possibilities and ask yourself, what's your warrior? And also, with the fact that we're home, Please do not forget all of the COVID-19 policies that are in place. A lot of protocols maybe that we just might need to take a second to kind of freshen up on. Uh, Mask up, social distancing, the limited capacity. Uh, Make sure you give yourself plenty of time and make sure you give yourself plenty of space. So there's tons of information right now at Soonersports.com and we'll have a little bit more on that coming up on Friday's podcast. Also, uh, tomorrow, the Coach's Corner will drop. So we're back home, 2.30 kick, 12.30 pregame. Let's get you ready for kickoff with a couple of fun conversations. First, you don't get a chance to talk to the long, long snapper very often, but you don't usually have one as talented as Oklahoma's Casey Kelleher had a chance to sit down with the Sooner Junior earlier this week. All right, guys, we're with uh, Casey Kelleher. He, of course, is the long snapper for the Sooners. He's had an incredible career so far, and we don't get to talk to you enough, man. So let's, <laughs> let's catch up. How's it been going for you? And really, what, dare I say, working almost in silence? Because mostly people only talk about the long snapper when things go poorly, right? Yeah, that's, that's what your job is as a long snapper. Yeah, you go in, you don't expect to be the center of attention, and... Uh... It's rare that you that you are. So uh, 
uh, times when you uh, mess up, that's when you get that's when you get on or make make a big play. It's not very often you see that either. So it, you know, it's it's interesting because maybe this year more than any other, we've really truly magnified the importance of special teams, seeing how. It can hurt you in the kick return against Iowa State and then the, the pump block against Kansas State. Casey, can you give us a little snapshot into how hard you guys work and what the daily routine is like to prepare for game day? Oh, yeah. A lot, a lot of our work goes uh, really unnoticed. And uh, that's, that's honestly where the best work gets in, too. Uh, so um, every day we, uh, we have our, our own little routines of warming up and uh, practicing. We, we, have a, we have our small little, like, 20-minute special teams period throughout the practice and in an, either an hour-long or two-hour-long practice, however long it is, uh, that, that's, our, that's our time to shine. So uh, we'll start practice off with uh, pre-practice uh, uh, snapping, punting, kicking, whatever we have to do, so, like, punting to returners and all that. Uh, and uh, I don't know, it, it just a lot of unnoticed work goes in. You so. know, and, and it's it's so specialized. Teddy Lehman talks about it a lot, you know. And I, I don't know what the, what, what you think about future-wise, Casey, but in the NFL, there's a, an exact spot where that punt needs to always be, that snap needs to yeah. be here. So it, it's so specialized, man. How do you master that art? What's the key in just the preparation, the practice for you personally? Oh, for me, I mean, just consistency, just, just working on it, working on your craft every day. Uh, coming into college, I mean, I, I worked on it just a, just about every day. Um, I was in my high school weight room uh, after after practice, even in the baseball season. Uh, I'd, I'd come in after a game, after catching a seven-inning game and uh, working on my, my long snapping. And, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of a lot of work. I wear this every day. It's a, a band confidence. <laughs> nice. So uh, confidence is a huge thing as a specialist, uh, going in knowing that you're going to get the job done. So that, that confidence, not only do you have to have it, but you, you have to help breathe that confidence as well. So you mentioned you were a catcher. There might be times when you had to go out to the mound, calm your pitcher down a little bit. Right. Do, you, do you have those moments sometimes with Reeves and with Gabe too, uh, to where it's not only just, hey, putting the ball where they want it, putting the ball where it needs to be, but also, hey, if they I, like Gabe missed a kick on Saturday night, right. making sure he's where he needs to be mentally. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, every, every specialist has their own little, little tick, their little reset button, and that's, that's what you really need to have because, I mean, you go in there, you have, a, you have one shot, one shot. Like, we're in practice, you'll have, you'll have ten reps in a row or whatever, and uh, you go in with a, one opportunity to get that perfect snap, that perfect kick, that perfect punt, and that perfect kickoff. So uh, uh, it, it's, it's a very uh, mental, very mental game when, when you go in there. So speaking of that mental side, I, I mean, I was a catcher, too, and yep. there were some pitchers when you would go out and talk to them, they didn't want serious, they wanted jokes, they wanted something to kind of calm them down. Let's just focus on Gabe a little bit. Working with him and that personality, what, what's he like? Does, does he need seriousness? Does he need it to stay light? What's that personality like in your kicker? Yeah, uh, Gabe, Gabe's a, a really goofy guy. I, I, that's, that's always the word I use, I use <laughs> with him. But uh, we, we like to keep it light for, for the most part, but you also have to have that, that, that switch. That turn on switch that, that that gets you mentally focused in the game, mentally focused on the task at hand. Yeah. Take me through being in the locker room and seeing this team grow from game one to where they are now. Um, obviously, two tough losses against Kansas State and Iowa State. Casey, I really feel like this team is starting to find its stride. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, beginning of the season, there there was a little bit lower energy, a little lower energy in the locker room, um, and these past few weeks, just 
and it's just gone up, and it's just going to continue to get up, get, get up going as we as we get through the season. Okay, a couple final ones, and I'll let you go. First of all, uh, Coach Riley talked about that energy whenever it was learned that Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson would be playing. What was that moment like whenever the team found out? Oh, it was awesome. The, the whole room erupted you know, <laughs> when we were told that. It was really cool. We're glad those guys got back in there. Um, huge impact in the game, and they're going to continue to play a role, play a huge role for the team. Yeah, and it's fun to see. And then secondly, this is such a unique year in everything. And, you know, we haven't really had a chance to go in depth with you. But, Casey, the, the fun things about being a college student, you don't get to enjoy anymore. There's no, you know, dinners out. There's no, you know, truly a lot of in-person learning right now. So what's that challenge been like for you to stay focused, but then in the same vein, enjoy your time right now? I mean, it is what it is, everything that's going on in the world, you know. Um, it's gotta you gotta like the, the, the little things you know right. enjoy the little things and uh obviously there's not a lot we can do going out but we, we find our own our own ways to enjoy our time and uh while we're in our while we're wrapped up in our little bubble so yeah it's just like i said it is what it is um it's adversity you know you learn how to deal with it and uh you roll Hey, I said one more, but I didn't want to ask. No. You don't mind being out of the spotlight, right? I mean, as a, as a oh, long no. snapper, as a special teams, you're, you're great when we get a chance to talk to you. But, but for you, Casey, you're fine working in obscurity, aren't oh, you? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's part of my job. It's, it's what I do. So I'm used to it. Um, and yeah, I, I love what I do. I love long snapping. It's, it's such a fun game, fun, fun, uh, fun position to play. Very uh, overlooked. And uh, oh, we, we like that. We're not getting the attention. We're doing our job. And during his time at Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley has developed some pretty incredible tight ends and seeing you know Shane Beamer work with that room. These guys are fantastic. So along the lines of names like Mark Andrews and, of course, what Grant Calcaterra was able to do, add to that list Austin Stogner, who's having a breakout season. All right, guys, we're joined by Austin Stogner. All right, before we get going, uh, our buddy Teddy Lehman on the radio broadcast has dubbed you both Baby Gronk and Stogkowski. Do you prefer either one or just Austin Stogner okay? Uh, they're all good. <laughs> Whatever. Do, do you, in your world, with the, I guess you could say, influence of the tight end on the NFL game, you know, obviously what Gronk has done for years, but you see Travis Kelsey. Uh, you see what George Kittle has done. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, across the league, it's a position where you're seeing more and more Darren Waller for the Raiders. Do you try to emulate those guys? Is there anything you see in an NFL guy that you try to influence your game or have influenced your game? Uh, no doubt. I mean, you uh, look at those guys; they're great. I take uh, bits and pieces from everyone, but um, you know, I'm a player, but uh, I for sure take bits and pieces from everyone's game and try to, you know, make it my own. Austin, the thing that stands out this year: the physicality, man. Take me through the pride in improving the blocking. Uh, and, and this improved running game over the last few weeks. How important was that for you? Let's just go personally in improving in improving the blocking side of your game. Uh, that was big for me. Uh, that was a big thing I took pride in over the offseason, uh, just working on my feet and uh, finishing blocks. But uh, we for sure taken strides, but uh, we're not at the top of the hill yet. So for you, how much of that is, is technique-oriented and just weight room-oriented? Uh, for sure, both. Um, uh, coming out of high school is kind of like a – Played more like receiver, didn't do much in inline blocking. So learning the technique with, uh, you know, Coach Kagan's in the locker room, Coach Wiley, and um, just learning the technique. But um, for sure, the weight room getting a lot stronger and bigger helped a lot. And then let's just go ahead and carry that over to the running game. 
you know, working in sync with the offensive line, with the receivers blocking downfield. What's kind of clicked the last – well, it, it helps having a Ramondre Stevenson back, obviously. <laughs> but what's really clicked with this line and with your, your blocking in this improved run game? Uh, rep, I mean reps. Uh, the more reps you take, the the more you get in sync with those guys and working out. And, um, you know, it's it's the, those game reps are big. So it moves a lot different than it does in practice. So heard a lot of C words use this word, consistency and confidence. Let's start – with the consistency side of things. You're seeing it from your quarterback. Are you feeling that from Spencer Rattler, that consistency from him? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, he's playing He's playing some good ball. Uh, he has been this whole year. But, um, you know, consistency, it's big for our, the whole offense. Then, and you add to it, I mean, and Captain Obvious seeing things, but you're going through a unique time, you know, obviously yeah. with COVID and everything. How has that affected timing? Because I don't know how much you guys got to work together last year because you were playing so much, but – what has that timing process been like between you and Spencer Rattler? Uh, we got in a lot of work this offseason when we came up here. Uh, we ran routes or whatever, and um, we, we've we gotten a, a lot of time in down, but uh, we've both been out, but yeah. It's been a challenge. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's been a challenge across the board. So for take me, speaking of challenges, challenging catches, the pride that you take in the strong hands and going up and, and getting passes, I know it's an area you're consistently working on, but – how much pride do you take in that being able to make the big catch in traffic? Oh no, big time! Uh, my receiver back home, but my receiver coach back home always says, you know, always open. So it doesn't matter who's guarding you; you got to be always open. So I take big pride in that. All right, a couple more, and I'll let you get out of here. First of all, just this team in general, Austin. How do you feel about where this team is right now and the stride this, that they've made over the last few weeks? Uh, we're for sure climbing, but um, you know, this is probably the hardest part. Is keep climbing. Uh, we're not at the top of the hill yet, so uh, we got to keep working and. Um, Starts in practice, like you said, being more consistent, and uh, we'll keep making those strides. And that, that, I guess, can I say that tight end room or that inside <laughs> receivers room? I mean, what, you're, you're working still between both, I assume, but yeah. with that in mind, seeing Braden hopefully getting back here soon, and I know you see these young guys at the H-back too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're a man of, of many talents right now. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, you get thrown around, whatever, but uh, it's – Whatever helps the team win, I'm, I'm down for it. So. Well, congratulations on the great win on Saturday night. Good luck the rest of the way, Austin. Yes, sir. Thank you. So there's a couple of guys uh, that are fun to talk to. They'll be on display Saturday, 2.30 kick, 12.30 pregame for Oklahoma and Kansas. All right, it's time for the huddle reloaded with Toby and Ted. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue on a Tuesday night. It is time for the huddle settle in. We got two straight hours of election coverage optional for you tonight. We're talking nothing but Sooner football here for the next couple of hours. Lincoln Riley coming up uh, one hour from right now. We'll look back on that win over Texas Tech and look ahead to the showdown with Kansas with the head coach. But right now, please help me welcome my radio partner on the Sooner Radio Network, the Butkus and Bednarik Award winner, Teddy Lehman, everybody. T-Row, how are we doing? I'm fantastic. Good. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic as well. I'm I'm, uh, I'm thrilled about the way our football team played on yeah. Saturday. So all is good in my world, man. The weather significantly better than it was a week ago when we did this show. Beautiful. It's great to be it's back perfect. here this week. We didn't sure get to be is. with you folks a week ago. We were over in the studios because uh, power outages all over the place. So. It is pristine outside right now. Opening segment brought to you by Noble McIntyre, McIntyre Law, the law firm you should turn to for all your personal injury needs. 62-28, the final Saturday night in Lubbock. Let's take a look at the highlights. 
Not a great start for the Sooners, Teddy. Texas Tech got the opening kickoff and marched on them. Boy, they went right down the field. They threw some RPO stuff, some quick game, hit on a couple of decent running plays. And, boy, you didn't even have time to catch your breath before they punched one in the end zone. But Oklahoma goes and answers after Rattler just picks that ball up off the ground. I mean, the poise that he's got right now is just next level. He, the trust in that offensive line is really, really taking it up about 15 notches. First carry of the season for Ramondre Stevenson is a touchdown. Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins both back for this game. Sooners tie it up, and then the defense takes over. Trey Norwood. How about Trey Norwood coming in at safety and making a couple of huge plays? And, uh, you know, when the offense takes over in the deep red zone off a turnover, that's what that's what it's supposed to look like. It's just amazing how different this team looks whenever they win the turnover battle. T.J. Pledger rides the pile in for a touchdown, then over the top. What a beautiful touch pass to Marvin Mims. Just threw it up in the air, let it come down perfectly right Right into the hands of Mims, and then you just use that big running game, that 240-pound-plus back to punch it in. Stevenson still knows how to find that end zone. They did it. It's not a replay, folks. They did it again. Trey Norwood off the Oski. On the exact same play, flip to the other side. He intercepts it. Another great play. And, again, the offense gets in the deep red zone. And uh, look at Jeremiah Hall. Fight, breaks through a tackle, runs through a guy that goes down low on him and fights his way into the end zone. Great play. They didn't give it to him at first, but upon review, they said he got in before the ball came loose. 28-7 Sooners here in the second quarter. Rattler just flicks it downfield to Theo Weiss for another big gainer. Great job getting outside the pocket, finding a little time, a little space, have a a clean look downfield, and just delivers a great ball. And I love this. (laughs) Maybe my favorite throw of the entire game. Throws it away from the safety in the middle of the field. Stogner spins around and makes a great play on it. 35-7, 35-7, Weiss with the spin out. Looks like he might take it to the house. Just, oh, oh, barely got his ankle. Just clipped him. I'm sure love to be a fly on the wall in that wide receiver room whenever they were watching that play, film review, and getting caught from behind. Uh, that's whenever the jackals come after you a little <laughs> bit. But they're able to finish off the drive. Another touchdown by Ramondre. Ramondre Stevenson says, that's okay. I know how to get in the end zone. I'm back. 42-7. We're still in the first half. Tech finally, after a 42 42- Straight unanswered points. Hits on a big play of their own to make it 42-14. to He found the big tight end. A free runner, and that's something we haven't seen from this defense. Guys have made plays, but it's typically come off of missed tackles. But there they had a free runner running down the sideline, able to hit him and create a big explosive play. That's, that's something we've really avoided. Big Mikey Henderson on the jet sweep. And then final score of the night, Seth McGowan scampers in from 14 yards out. Sooners 62 to 28. That would be the final score in this one as Oklahoma continues to play good football and the stats prove it. Boy, uh, 559 total offense, uh, 62 points. What was it that Lincoln scored down in Lubbock? 180 some points in his three games. I it's 187 visiting. in the last three visits there, yeah. Unbelievable. And I think that key is the turnovers zero and you forced three. This team is a completely different animal whenever they win that turnover margin. And since that benching in Texas, Spencer Rattler's been a completely different player as far as taking care of that football. 62-28, so the Sooners improved to 3-2 and two in Big 12 play. They've won three straight in the state of Texas over the Longhorns, Horned Frogs, and the Red Raiders. 
So who was your uh, player of the game in this one? Lots of options. To There's from. tons of options. You know, both both units played really well. I got to go with Ramondre Stevenson. You know, whenever you look at it, his first time back to be able to play the way he did, he was effective. He ran through tackles. That one's just blocked up beautifully. He doesn't even have to encounter a player, really. But we just saw how physical he can be. You know, some of the stiff arms that we saw on the perimeter from him just sitting defenders down. Uh, he was good in the protection game from what I saw. Just your first time out, I mean, you just can't replicate it in practice. And you see that patience, letting those blocks get around there, going to get in the first down. I thought all in all, for a first time out, when everyone else is in midseason form, I thought Ramondre just gave them a, an extra gear. Yeah, he was great. You thought he would add a dimension for them, and, and he didn't mess around. There was no kind of ease in his way back in. He is a goal line threat for sure. I'm going defense. I'll take Trey Norwood for my player of the game. Look at you. Two interceptions, both of them in the first quarter that really gave OU the decisive early lead in this game. Great story, too. I mean, I you got to be happy for this young man who suffered a severe injury, worked his way all the way back, did not have a spring to try to get healthy and back in shape. Reports are out there that he got contact trace for a long time, perhaps in the fall. And it's taken him a while to get back to being a contributor like we all thought he was going to be a couple of years ago. And to have a big night like this, happy for the young man. Yeah, get your confidence back. Create a couple of big plays. And, you know, these aren't the only two plays he made the entire game. We saw him flying around from that safety spot. Uh, it was really a, a big impact on what happened defensively for the Sooners. So, you hope that he's kind of turned that corner. Anytime you come back from a major injury and you don't get a lot of practice time, as you mentioned, he, he missed uh, – everyone missed spring and then missed a bunch of time in training camp. You know, that, that injury is still there. You're yeah. still thinking about it. And it takes a while before it's out of sight and out of mind and you can play and plant explosively like you're used to playing. So hopefully he's back and we're going to see a lot more of him in the future. You know, we spend a postgame show on the radio about 90 minutes – kind of dicing up a game, and a lot of that time is spent, you know, what went wrong usually or what can be better. It's the second straight week where we're kind of splitting hairs to find something that OU didn't do well on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much good in there. And, you know, a lot of it, is, you, you've got to go back and really, you know, when you're talking about the coaching staff detailing some of these things, it's just, it, there's stuff there. There's a lot of stuff there. But, overwhelmingly it's good right we're seeing guys in the backfield we're seeing the offensive line finish blocks the protection for rattler is really good guys are making plays downfield secondary uh, for the most part doing a good job there's stuff there but when you talk generally about the football game i mean we ran the ball well we took care of it uh defensive line was really the main factor and what what made our defense play well so um, there are always going to be coaching points, but from, from what we saw in that football game, there's, there's some really good signs that this team is starting to hit their stride. Well, we're going to do a deeper dive, both offensively and defensively, as to how Oklahoma played coming up in the next segment. But before we go to this first time out, we lost a great this week, a Sooner icon for sure, in the passing of this weekend of Billy Tubbs. Billy Tubbs is the guy that made me fall in love with Oklahoma basketball. Growing up a kid in the 80s, Watching those teams with Wayman Tisdale, Stacey King, Mookie Blaylock, Ricky Amazing Grace, Jeff Webster, 
Skeeter Henry. I could go on and on and on. I loved going to the Lloyd Noble Center and watching Billy Ball. And that was really almost more than football what made me fall in love with OU. And Billy Tubbs was the ringleader of it all. He was the maestro, a larger-than-life personality that would beat you by 100 points and didn't give a rip whether or not he hurt your feelings or not. And it's been great the last 10 years or so to get to work alongside Coach Tubbs broadcasting some games and seeing him and Pat down at the end of the floor at Sooner Basketball Games, talking to them before the games and at halftime and afterwards. And we're going to miss Billy big time for sure. Billy Tubbs, an absolute Sooner legend, gone at the age of 85. We'll be back. Drive of the Game brought to you by Pike Pass, the fastest, safest, most efficient way to travel Oklahoma, Kansas, and Texas. Hey, Sooners, don't get passed. Get Pike Pass. This was impressive, Teddy. This is the opening drive of the second half. OU's got a commanding lead. Would have been real easy to go in at halftime, maybe come out, not firing on all cylinders. But they got the ball first and uh, looked really sharp marching down the field. No, a great third down pickup there to Theo Weiss. He's turned into Rattler's third down guy. And you see the running game going. There's that stiff arm we were talking about earlier with Ramondre. It was a great mix, run, pass, pushing the ball downfield. And uh, here you go. Here's that big back able to just run around the edge. And you get to those smaller defenders, and he just pushes them out of the way. Rattler directing traffic, throws back across the grain to Theo Howard to set up a first and goal. Again, opening drive, second half. Stevenson gets knocked backwards on second and goal. Rattler able to find Ramondre for a short gain to get him down to the four. And then going to lean on the freshman, Mikey Henderson, with the end around. I thought you uh, made a great comparison during the game broadcast Saturday night. Even the number, same as Josh Norman back in 2000. Yeah, you're, you're used to the fast guys catching the quick, right? Yep. Or, uh, you know, being handed the quick. But whenever you have a guy that's 240 pounds or so, you're not expecting that whenever he goes in motion. So it just catches that defense a little off guard. And down there on the goal line, whenever you get that defense going laterally and you hand it to a big guy, he can usually push his way in. It's a nice play. This is just mean right here. This is what Lincoln has done to his alma mater. Look at those point totals, 63, 66, 48, 51, 55, and 62, averaging 662 yards a game. Of course, a couple of those, he was the offensive coordinator, but those are his offenses and all six of those wins against Texas. 405 rushing yards. That just, that's painful to look at. That is a long day. Let's talk more about the Sooner offense. We mentioned Ramondre Stevenson in segment number one. Let's talk about the wide receivers here a little bit, and we'll start with uh, Theo Weiss, who's really yeah. becoming third down Theo for Spencer Rattler. Well, he's great. Good route running. And I think the most important thing here is Rattler trusts Theo Weiss in traffic. You know, third down, it gets really competitive. Those secondary players lock down, and he's throwing in, into tight coverage with Theo. He trusts him to go make a competitive play. So that, I think, you know, and, and I've, I've hammered this to death, I know, but I still think it's a huge factor they're way behind on reps this year on working to that chemistry, and I think it's starting to click with some of these uh, quarterback-wide receiver connections. Marvin Mims had some nice plays, a little over the top here to him. It's the one he dropped, though, that he's going to hate. Yeah. 
I mean, he, he continues to be a nice threat. Here he is sifting his way through the defense against the grain. And Rattler just throws him a beautiful pass, drops it right in the bucket. And, uh, I mean, it's just – it's a great complement of players. You've got a big possession-type route runner in Theo Weiss. You've got a do-it-all deep threat in a guy like Mims. And then if you want to include a guy like Stogner in the pass catchers, you've got a massive guy that's just a matchup nightmare. And Charleston Rambo when he comes back. And Jeremiah Hall. And Mikey Henderson. And Theo Howard. <laughs> it's and deep. on and on and on. It's deep. Obia, Drake Stoops and Obi Oyalo. And we may add some before it's all yeah, said. Yeah, there done might be to... another one or two coming down the pipe. We'll see. How about Rattler? What kind of night did you think he had? I thought it was his best performance. Uh, you know, whenever you you look at the way he's played, there's a direct correlation with how good the offensive line has been. They've really improved over the last couple of weeks. But his ability to keep his eyes downfield, make some small maneuvers in the pocket. There he is just getting outside, but the eyes never leave downfield. And he throws a bullet to Theo Weiss. You know, I just – the decision-making has been crisp. It's been clean. You know, he hasn't just looked to scramble whenever he's under pressure. He's looking to make plays downfield. There he's throwing it up to Stogner in traffic. He's, he's found his third down guy. I mean, he, he's starting to look like a vet player, and he's only, what, six games into this he's thing. He's not exactly being conservative either with some of these throws but they're just so precise that they're not really in danger. Like this play right here, look how comfortable he looks in the pocket and then just scrambles, doesn't force the issue too much. His coach probably doesn't like him slamming a shoulder into a guy, but just another smart decision. He didn't give up on it too quick, but whenever he, he finally saw the opportunity, they're covered downfield, he pulls it down and goes gets the first. H-backs continue to be a big story for this team, and we saw three of them get in the end zone on Saturday night, Jeremiah Hall, Austin Stogner, Mikey Henderson all scored. It's the secret weapon of this OU offense every week. We hardly ever talk about it going into a game, and inevitably they make key plays for this offense. I mean, Jeremiah Hall, he's probably got, what, five touchdowns now? Four or five, yeah. Four or five touchdowns, and that's a, that's a fullback. I mean... Yes, he's an H-back, but he's our fullback H-back. You know, he's not the split-out guy like Stogner is. It's just You don't see that anywhere else in college football. A team that has, you know, three or four different H-back type guys that can do a bunch of different things and be used in all the different variety of ways that Lincoln does. Now, Stogner, we know, is a big-time target for this team and was again on Saturday night. Here's the touchdown pass one more time. Great throw, great catch. But I tell you what, what we saw to Mikey Henderson, not just on the little touchdown end around, but late in the game when they were trying to finish it off, they handed him the ball two or three times. He looks like the real deal. Yeah, I I mean, I hope that's something that we see just because he's incredibly explosive. Um, He's fast. He's a big, heavy back. And I know we've got Ramondre Stevenson, but after a long, hard-fought game, it's just natural that you're just – that not going to be as aggressive, that the contact's going to be a little bit lighter, but whenever you can bring a guy like Mikey Henderson in late and get that far down the depth chart and have that type of impact with a, with a big guy like that, it's, it's just fantastic. Well, on the defensive side, the big story going into this game, of course, was the fact that Ronnie Perkins was back his first game in a Sooner uniform this year. Everybody was fired up to see number seven back on the field. He didn't show much rust, Teddy. 
No, he looked good. He, you know, I don't know how much of it was him just like so pent up, all of that energy to come out and play, but he was flying off the football. He was a factor in a bunch of different plays for them. There's some stuff, though, that he's going to have to clean up. You know, he's out of position on quite a few plays, uh, which is going to happen. Remember, everyone else is six, five, six games in, and he's just now getting his first live action. So that stuff's going to happen. But as far as having an impact on the line of scrimmage, I just don't know that you're going to find anyone better than that in the conference. That combination, and we'll talk D-line here in a bit, but that combination looks pretty salty up front. Trey Brown, you know, had the big pick against uh, Texas to end that game. A little bit quiet against TCU. Made some nice plays Saturday night, though. He did. I mean, he was locked in. They started to go at him for some of those RPOs. And it's the first drive of the game. You know, I had no problem with what he was doing and how he was playing it. These are all competitive plays. And they're not going to beat you on the first drive of the game, right? you you got to, you know, Tinker with it, feel the flow of the game, and tighten down your coverage as things go on. And you look at him, once that D-line started humming, he's jumping those underneath routes, which, you know, is exactly what you want. Speaking of that D-line, you had Ronnie Perkins now back in with Isaiah Thomas, Perrion Winfrey, Nick Benito, and friends. And this is looking like maybe one of the better defensive line units OU's had in quite a while. Yeah, and they run some really good twist stunts up front and – you know, the Texas Tech, the way they play with so much quick stuff, it's hard to blitz them because, you know, you can get caught trying to disguise and, and be late on blitzes. So it's all basically just three or four man rush that they ran and they did a great job. I mean, Columbia was under dire pressure the entire night and that's without blitzing. So just shows you how good these guys can be. There's another stunt game and you know, it's a race to the quarterback, you know, to see who can get there first. All of them are beating blocks. That's exactly what you want. That is that is high-level disruptive football in the D-line right there. Now, you and Gabe were talking about the importance of this. If they can get to the quarterback with four guys or even three guys in some circumstances, man, that just makes everything on the back end well, phenomenal. You can watch the, the trade. Brown highlights there, and early in the game, they're hitting the quick routes on him, and he's playing a little bit off. As the game goes on, and you see the way your D-line is playing, the as the highlight reel started to roll, he was right on top of guys right there on the line of scrimmage on those short plays, getting some deflection. So, yeah, absolutely. If there's no time for the quarterback, those secondary players are jumping routes quickly. 28 tackles for loss, 11 sacks, six takeaways in the last three games for Alex Grinch's defense. All right, we need a timeout. When we come back, let's start to look ahead. The Kansas Jayhawks coming to town this Saturday afternoon. We'll preview that one for you when we come back on the huddle brought to you by Bud Light. The huddle is brought to you by Rudy's, bringing you the best in barbecue. Academy Sports and Outdoors the preferred sporting goods retailer of Sooner Sports. Anheuser-Busch. Whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Sport Clips. It's good to be a guy. Riverwind. Still the one. Kansas coming to town Saturday. Here's a look at the series history. 111th. All-time meeting between OU and KU. Decided advantage 
for the Sooners. Last time they got together, OU won up in Lawrence 45-20 to a year ago. It'll be a 2.30 kickoff on ESPN now this Saturday afternoon in Norman. OU has won 15 straight head-to-head over Kansas. It's time to go behind enemy lines now, brought to you by Riverwind. Riverwind still the one. Let's talk about Les Miles' team a little bit, and we'll start on offense. You know, their best player was probably Puka Williams. He yep. gave us trouble the last couple of years trying to tackle the outstanding slippery running back. Was off to an okay start this year, but decided to opt out. So that leaves him kind of searching for playmakers on offense, Ted. It does. You know, we've talked about Parchment the last couple of years, and he's a good wide out. You know, the real problem for them stems from not being able to protect their quarterbacks. Um, They just can't ever get anything going. It's so hard to get the running game going, so hard to get the passing game going, just having a really hard time sustaining any type of offense because the quarterbacks are under just constant pressure back there. But whenever they do have some windows, and here you see them against Iowa State, they can complete some plays. They've got some some athletic ability back there at quarterback. So it's been a tough process for them. It's it's tough whenever you're, you're winless and you're going up against one of the better teams in the country. But, you know, it's just one of those games where, you know, and coaches will tell you this every week, but it's one of those games where, it's about doing your job, locking down your one-on-one battle, and the result's going to be what you hope for in the end. Um, you know, they, they don't have the caliber of players to to come out there and just run the ball up and down the field on you, throw it up and down the field on you, be able to block your, your defensive line for extended periods of time. So you've got a massive talent advantage. So you just go out there, do your job. You don't have to get too flashy, either offensively or defensively. Just do your thing, and they should be fine. Lassiter and Parchment, nice players at wide receiver. And you see the athleticism of their quarterback, Jalen Daniels. They've used a few quarterback options this year. Looks like they've settled on this young man who has a big arm. You see there, throws it deep downfield, but it's his athleticism really that makes him dangerous. Yeah, and they're going to do some things. I mean, whenever you watch the way Oklahoma's defensive line has played, the last couple of games it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out we better neutralize those guys somehow and the way you do that is get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly screens uh stop routes bubbles uh you know use him uh outside with boots and sprint passes to get him away from that defensive line so i imagine we're going to see quite a bit of that stuff with kansas all right what about the kansas defense teddy this is the side of the ball that has been the biggest problem they're giving up, on average, 46 points a game. Yeah, and, you know, it all it all works together in football. When your offense isn't doing much, not having sustained drives, turning the football over in, in big numbers, the defense is typically playing on a short field. They're playing where they're way behind in football games. Just makes it really difficult. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a talent discrepancy. You know, the for Oklahoma specifically, The mismatch of talent on the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball, is going to be huge. They're not going to be able to put a whole lot of pressure on Spencer Rattler. And as we've seen, as this offensive line has gotten better, that's trouble. If you can't get to Spencer Rattler and put him under some stress in the pocket, it's going to be a long day. You couple that with the fact that our running game, now that Ramondre Stevenson is back and it's starting to hit its stride, could be a tough day for Kansas. Linebacker Nick Channel, nice player for them. Yeah, they've got some talent out there, but 
you know, kind of like I was saying, the line of scrimmage, if you're a linebacker and your defensive line's getting blocked up front, you're making a lot of tackles down the field. You're not making a whole lot of tackles behind the line of scrimmage, tackles for loss, tackles at the line of scrimmage. You, you know, you end up, you know, sprinting to the sideline and make drag down tackles for other people, you know, missing responsibilities. It makes work incredibly difficult for, for linebackers, but they do have good players. So, you know, you, you've got to be careful. you got to block these guys up. And I trust that our offensive line is going to do a really good job against them. It's been a tough year for Les Miles. He uh, has recovered from COVID and uh, hasn't found any wins, though, down there. 3-15 and 15 now overall at Kansas. Of course, won a national championship at LSU. And had some legendary years when he and Bob Stoops were going head-to-head at Oklahoma State. I, I don't want him to win on Saturday, but I hate to see him struggle like this late yeah. in his career. It's tough. That's a tough place to go. I mean, that's that's going to take a a unique coach in a unique situation to turn that program around. Hey, how would you like to be able to listen to Teddy and the rest of the Sooner Radio crew while synced up to your TV in the comfort of your own home? You can. Go to SyncMyGame.com. That's SyncMyGame.com to find out how. Well, we're back home for the first time in six weeks on Saturday been a long time since we've gathered at the palace together but that will be the case and want to remind you since it's been a while make sure you remember to follow the social distancing guidelines this weekend when you come to Owen Field here's a reminder We want to thank all of our Sooner Radio Network affiliates across the state and region. Fans can check out Soonersports.com for an affiliate in your area. And if you're traveling outside the state of Oklahoma, you can listen to all the action on either Sirius XM Radio or download the TuneIn app and listen free. OU's football games are available on Exodus 96.5 FM in Oklahoma City and 101.5 FM El Patron in Tulsa, as well as on those stations' websites. Each OU Spanish broadcast will feature a 30-minute pregame show and a 15-minute postgame show. Log on to Soonersports.com slash kids for information about joining the Sooner Junior Kids Club presented by OG&E. Brought to you in part by Orthodontics exclusively. Hi, welcome back everybody to the huddle, also known as the Lincoln Riley pregame show. We got the head coach coming up at the top of this hour and it's time now for our Big 12 report presented by Kincaid Coach. It was an interesting weekend in the Big 12. The deck has been reshuffled a bit after a couple of upsets took place. One upset, one was not an upset. Let's start in Stillwater where the Texas Longhorns came to town. Cowboys turned it over five times, Teddy. Hard to win football games that way. And uh, a big special teams playing there to boot for Texas. Yeah, you turn the ball over five times and give up a kickoff return for a touchdown. You're not going to beat anyone in this conference. So uh, you give it up to Texas. They continue to find a way to fight and scrap and claw and stick around in some of these uh, really tough football games. So, I mean, wow. I, I was not shocked that this one went this way, but watching that football game, it was just – it was amazing to kind of see Oklahoma State fall apart whenever they, you know, they desperately needed to make a play or two. Looked like the Cowboys might have had it in hand up 31-20 to 20 after that great catch, but there's the kickoff return you were talking about. 
We're late in the fourth now, and Sam Ellinger makes a play. That's what he does late in games. Cowboys get the field goal that forces overtime. Third overtime game in Big 12 play for Texas. I mean, the Sooners went four with them. They went overtime with Texas Tech. They got the ball first and scored. Then on fourth down for Oklahoma State. Well, this is first down. This play is overturned. Legal man downfield. Cowboys touchdown taken off the board. And then on fourth down, Texas comes up with a defensive play. There you go. Texas bringing pressure on fourth down. They were all over Spencer Sanders in the pocket. Osai caps off what's, you know, an amazing game for him as far as sacks and tackles for loss. And Spencer Spencer Sanders can't get rid of the football there on the, the final play of the game when you know you have to get to the end zone. So really interesting result there. Meanwhile, earlier in the day in Morgantown, Kansas State undefeated in Big 12 play went in and the Mountaineers just smashed them. They did. And this is just, it's really impressive to watch what West Virginia has done. Last year, they were dead last in the Big 12 running the football. Now they're, you know, one of the top three. They got the number one total defense in the conference right now. They got the number one amount of sacks by their defense. Their quarterback is second in passing to, to Spencer Rattler. It's it's just a complete total turnaround. Now, they've got a lot of tough football games left, but West Virginia is going to be a difficult yep. game for everyone on the way they're out of better. the season. Yeah, they're better this year. we got players. 37-10 to 10, the final in this one. Kind of gave you for the first time in conference play anyway. One reason to wonder about Kansas State down the stretch. Yeah, the, the missing their quarterback was a way big, way bigger factor than I thought it was going to be. You know, they they move the ball around. They play well defensively. Special teams. Their offense isn't that complicated. It's pretty simple. So I didn't think it was going to be a big factor. But, boy, you can tell they really miss Skyler Thompson. TCU and Baylor, bitter rivals. They got together in Waco. Remember that TCU offense that had such a hard time moving the ball against Oklahoma came out on fire in this one. Yeah, what a catch right there. Uh, really good coverage, but it's able to fit, fit that ball in there. Here they go getting on the ground. And then, you know, special teams is a big factor and a lot of fo- – I mean, whenever we've got as many close games as we've had this year in the Big 12, special teams a lot of times is going to be the deciding factor. And if you can score or set your offense up with great field position to score, a lot of times that can be the difference in the football game. Darius Davis, the punt return for the touchdown. TCU had a 30 to nothing lead midway through the second quarter in this one mm. they would hang on to win 33 to 23 so with that and the OU final on Saturday Iowa State had no problem with uh Kansas here's your schedule coming up this week West Virginia goes to Texas we'll talk about that game in our pick segment coming up in a bit Texas Tech and TCU a couple of teams hanging out in the same neighborhood in the Big 12 there Oklahoma State Kansas State Another big one in the Big 12. Two of the teams OU's looking up at right now in the standings. They'll meet in Manhattan at 3 o'clock, and Baylor goes to Iowa State. Yeah, it's a, it's going to be an interesting slate, and pretty much from this point on, every week there's going to be games that you have your eye on, and you need a specific result to get to where you need to go. And uh, obviously the most important thing for Oklahoma is just continue winning their next football game, but... I think this is going to come down to a tight finish. And honestly, right now, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, For the first time today on the radio show, we went to the uh, tiebreaker section of the Big 12 website because pretty good chance 
We're coming down to that. You take a it's, nap afterwards. That's hard to absorb all that. Hard. Meanwhile, nationally, one of the big boys got a big time scare on Saturday. Clemson and Boston College. Clemson playing without Trevor Lawrence. And Boston College jumped all over them early. No, oh, they did. They came out uh, guns blazing. And, you know, it was interesting watching Clemson try and navigate this football game without Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, this is nothing new, but turnovers are a factor. And it's a fairly tight football game. And then you've got a 14-point swing whenever you're about to go into the end zone, fumble it, and get a long scoop and score going the opposite direction. And uh, that right there broke this football game open. And it was everything Clemson had to come clawing back. At halftime, it looked pretty bleak for Dabo Sweeney's team, but they were able to get their act together. They pitched a shutout. Look at that catch. They pitched a shutout in the second half, and Clemson rallied to win 34-28. They got a big one coming up this week without Trevor Lawrence. Again, we'll talk about their showdown with Notre Dame coming up in the pick segment. Michigan was impressive in week one when they went to Minnesota and won. Then they came home to the big house and got beat by their in-state rivals. And this was just straight up getting beat. There was nothing crazy that happened in this football game. The ball didn't bounce a strange way. There was no weird trick play to get you at the right moment. This is just straight up Michigan State beating Michigan. You know, Michigan State team, you know, we, a lot of people kind of forgot about how college football started this year with a bunch of teams looking really rusty and out of sorts early on in the first game or two. That's kind of what you saw with Michigan State. You know, they did not play well in their first outing, but against a really good Michigan defense, they played great. Mel Tucker put together a really good game plan, and they just came out straight up beat them. Mel Tucker, the head coach now at Michigan State. Big win, 27-24. In the SEC, a game we were keeping our eyes on, Texas A&M and Arkansas. It's been a bit of a resurgence for the Razorbacks this year, but Texas A&M's playing some pretty good ball, Ted. Yeah, they are, and it's really led by Kellen Mond. I mean, he's been a guy that we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for him to kind of, you know, show that he's a changed quarterback, uh, get some experience behind him, start taking better care of the football, and that's exactly what he's done. He's making plays, and he's always made some big plays, but he's also had some bad gaffes and gave the football to the other team. I think he's only got two interceptions on the year right now, 12 touchdowns to two interceptions, I believe playing good, clean football there at Texas A&M. And it's, it hasn't been a question of talent for Texas A&M. They've routinely recruited really well. It's about getting good, consistent play at quarterback, and it looks like maybe that's going to start happening. Second best team in the SEC West behind Important Alabama. touchdown uh, late by Arkansas, yeah, by the for way, you. Yes, for our locks of the week. Is Texas A&M the second best <sighs> team in the West? I mean, I better think, than LSU. I think right now Auburn? you have to say that Auburn's way too inconsistent to really get a feel for what type of football team they're going to be week in, week out. I think their defense is starting to round into shape there at Auburn. But right now, I think because of Kellen Mond, I think you may have to say they are. So after the goings on of this weekend, Sooners jump up about six spots or about five spots, I guess it was in the top 25. They're now up to number 19 in the latest rankings and here you see them, Clemson 1, Bama 2, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Georgia round out the top five. You got to go down to 14 to find Oklahoma State, where you got a, a Big 12 team. Iowa State there at 17, 
Sooners at 19, Texas back in at 22. We're behind a bunch of non-power five teams. We're behind a team in Oregon who has not played a football game. We're behind Wisconsin who looks like they may not play another football game. So I think there's a pretty good chance that if the Sooners continue to win, they're going to find themselves in a good position late in the season. Good position. Who knows what could happen? I think it's they are really on the outside looking in for a college football playoff. You would have to have some mass chaos for that to happen, but it's 2020. It, it is 2020, <laughs> and I think the focus for them right now needs to be winning the Big 12, and if you do that, you're going to have some, yeah, some good right. positive stuff happen. Uh, by the way, on the national front, one game has already been canceled for this weekend. It happened today. The Wisconsin-Purdue game that Teddy was referencing will not happen this week due to uh, Wisconsin COVID concerns. All right, we'll take our final timeout pick segment coming up next here at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. You're watching The Huddle, brought to you by Bud Light. Thank you to our Cornerstone Television partners, OU Health. Anheuser-Busch and the OU College of Professional and Continuing Studies and our community partners Landers Auto Group, Coca-Cola and OU Health Lincoln Riley picked up his 40th win on Saturday night in 48 games puts him in pretty good company exactly the same pace for Bob Stoops Bud Wilkinson and Perry Switzer did it even faster. There's four guys on that list that have statues on this campus, by the way. They did it faster playing less games each year, which is really fascinating. I mean, especially for for Bud Wilkinson. That's amazing. But Lincoln, off to a fantastic start. Very, very With no signs of slowing down, really, either. No. No, I think next year looks like it could be something special. Great recruiting's going well, too, so we'll see. All right, it's our final segment, which means time to pick some games. And before we pick this week's games, we got to go back and look at how we did last Oof. week. Let's go back and look at how we did. Oh, Oof. boy, let's spend some time on this graphic Ouch. here. Yellow ah. means you got it right, by the way, folks. Memphis at Cincinnati. Well, we both got that one. Yeah. Texas A&M and Arkansas. You took the Razorbacks to win that game. I listen. I went out on a limb there. I right. was hoping for A and M to do A and M things, but it mm. looks like maybe they've turned a corner down there under Jimbo Fisher. So, congratulations to A and M fans. West Virginia, BK State, Texas. They didn't just beat them; they pummeled them. I feel like we were tied last week, and yeah. I, I should be up three now. But. Anyway, it says I'm 21 and 11. You're 19 and 13. I, I think that's. I think that looks you, right. You let's, think that looks yeah, right to you? Move on. All right. So that's how it went last week. Let's pick this week's game. We'll start with the game on Friday night. There is a dandy on Friday night this week, by the way. BYU's in the top 10 now. They go play Boise in Boise. By far their toughest game of the year so far. Who you got? I'm taking BYU. I don't know if people have paid attention to what their quarterback is doing there, but it is incredibly impressive. Zach Wilson, is he is just an offensive machine. They've got a fantastic running game. They've got good talent defensively, especially on the defensive line. BYU is a legitimate football team this year. Boise State, somehow every year they find a way to win 
one huge game. Maybe this is going to be it for him, but I'm taking BYU. I'm taking BYU, too. Now, the conditions are supposed to be frigid, cold and rainy or snowy. Temperature is going to be right at 32, so we'll see whether or not that turns. Either way, it's going to be bad. I don't know who that favors, but BYU's played six games. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know they're in midseason form. Boise State, I think this is their second game of the season. I just think BYU's got a better res- – they're going to be able to go in in Boise, I yeah. think, and get it done. If they go undefeated, chance of making college football playoff BYU? There's a chance. I mean, they've got enough brand equity yeah. behind them that – yeah, they would have a chance. Not a great chance. Especially chance. if they win, continue to win big like they have. Maybe more than Cincinnati because yeah. they're BYU, but uh, we'll see. Michigan at Indiana. Indiana off to a 2-0 start. Reluctantly taking Michigan in this one. Indiana has been off to a really good start. I think the difference here is, you know, Penn State really controlled that football game, and somehow, miraculously, Indiana found a way to win it. Michigan, I think they just maybe got a little ahead of themselves going into that Michigan State game. Talent edge is massively in Michigan's favor. I think they've got good enough playmaker at quarterback in Milton. I just don't see it continuing for Indiana. With the way they've started, they've got everyone's attention. They're not going to get anyone just showing up feeling like they're going to lay over and give it to them. So I think Michigan bounces back here and gets a win. That's true. But you saw that locker room after the Pitt State win. It's true. This is a serious chemistry that the Hoosiers have going on right now. Hey, I hope they win the game. Michigan has won 24 straight over Indiana. Streak ends Saturday. I'll take the Hoosiers. I like the pick. I hope it happens. Big 12, West Virginia at Texas. I... (laughs) I'm going out on another limb here with West Virginia. I love the way they're running the football, Letty Brown. I love the way their defensive line plays. I mean, it's really what they're good at right now is the Achilles heel for for Texas. Team that runs the football well and gets after the quarterback is not a good recipe for them. I think West, West Virginia's found something, and Texas just barely getting by in these football games. I think this one's going to cost them. Mm, Texas... These are two similar teams. They both kind of uh, found themselves, as you said here, midseason. They're coming off big wins. West Virginia over Kansas State. Texas over OSU. But I kind of disagree with you. I think Texas handled Baylor two weeks ago pretty handily. They're kind of flowing with some momentum and confidence right now. They got more talent than West Virginia does. That doesn't always mean something with Texas. But I, there's a chance Texas could run the table. I know. In my I, hey, I agree with you. I, I feel like, you know, it's something we have to remind ourselves that these teams aren't static. They're constantly improving, going up and down yeah. as they get players back and people get healthy and they start to – got to remember, Texas has a new offense and defense that they're just yeah. now starting to understand. So You're changing your pick? No, I'm staying oh. with West Virginia. But, I mean, it's the same thing with West Virginia. I mean, they're under, still under a new staff. I know it's their second year, but – They're really starting to improve big time week by week. World's largest outdoor cocktail party, they used to call it, Florida and Georgia. Who you got? I think both teams are good, but I think Georgia has the best unit in this game with their defense, Defense. so give me Georgia. Um, I'll take Florida. We're we're on opposite sides of a lot of them again this week. Uh, And for one simple reason, Kyle Trask is better than Stetson Bennett. I think Florida's got the better quarterback in this game. Now, I don't know who's 
you know, they may be missing some guys after that brawl they had last right. week right. against uh, uh, I know Missouri. their coach got them all pumped up and, and ready to go, so they've got his back. I'll take Florida. Final game, we're picking Clemson at Notre Dame. Again, no Trevor Lawrence on Saturday. I think Trevor Lawrence is playing. I've got a theory. You think it's a lie? I think, I've got a theory that he's playing. There's no reason Dabo would tell them on Saturday after Boston College that he's not going to play. And now we've learned that he's making the trip. He's going to be on the sideline, okay. but he's not playing. I, even if he doesn't, I think Clemson get gets a the win. Screen touchdown Jesus? Is that what you're saying? That's, I think that's what's happening here. I could wow. be crazy, but I don't think there's any reason to tell your biggest opponent of the year a full week in advance of the game that your quarterback's not playing whenever you don't need to disclose that evidence. So you're taking Clemson? I'm taking Clemson. I hadn't thought of that. I don't know if I agree with you or not, but I think even if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, Clemson was discombobulated for the first half against Boston College and then found their legs. They're better. They're more talented than Notre Dame is. Even at Notre Dame, I'll take uh, Clemson for the victory in that one. All right, we got Lincoln Riley coming up next. Anything you're looking forward to asking him, Tom? I'm looking forward to asking him a bunch of things. I can't wait to think or hear what he thinks about Ramondre Stevenson, yeah. Ronnie Perkins coming back, some of those guys working their way in, and, you know, just what he thinks of Spencer Rattler, who looks like he continues to improve. Now, you've got questions for Coach. You can tweet us on the Academy Sports and Outdoors inbox at OU on the air or at T Row OU. That's it for the huddle. We'll be back with the Lincoln Riley Show shortly. Boomer Sooner, everybody. Good stuff as always. Thank you so much for downloading and subscribing to the Sooner Sports Podcast. A reminder, you can stop by and visit with U.S. Army recruiters at the Party at the Palace this Saturday to find out more about their over 150 career fields that you can serve in. From healthcare to humanitarian aid, there is a career for you. Explore a world of possibilities and ask yourself, What's your warrior? Big day today on the podcast. We'll have Sooners for Life dropping a little bit later on this evening. And then tomorrow, the scene setter. Also, Coach's Corner with Bill Bedenboe and Alex Grinch. And then, of course, on Saturday, as soon as the game wraps up, the Sooner Radio Network postgame show in podcast form. Until then, everyone have a great start to your game day. And Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.